Good morning, everybody. It is great to be here with you all this morning. We're just going to pray, and we're just going to continue this time of worship together. And as always, uh, just feel free to worship freely, whether that means you got to sit or stand, wherever you're most comfortable, as long as you're worshiping. That's all we ask. Father God, we just thank you for all that you do and all that you are, Lord. God, we just long to be in your presence this morning. It is our heart's desire. So God, as we sing, as we pray, I ask that you would just meet us here, God, in a special way. That it would be evident that we have encountered you this morning. Let everything we do glorify you, and in your name we pray. Amen. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He takes away when there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't save Let me tell you about my Jesus
Do we care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way. solid gold like a vow that is tested like a covenant of old your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today faithful you have been faithful you will be Pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your father, the orphan. Your kindness makes us whole. You showed our weakness, and your strength becomes our own. You're making me like you, You're clothing me in white, bringing beauty from ashes. For you will have your bride, free of all her Sing your praise will 
Sunday with us. Others have heard me say this, but it's the absolute truth. You're my favorite person in the building. I got to meet four of you this morning, and I prayed for you this week. I didn't know who you were, but God laid it on my heart to pray for those that were going to come this way, that God would soften their heart, that God would prepare them to receive the things they might find today. Anyhow, if you're new here with us today, my name's Pastor Jonathan. We've got a lot of pastors here, but uh, I'll be preaching today, and we like to pray a lot in this church. Pastor Jacob and Pastor Deb are going to head up this way. And as we sing this next worship song, you can always come to one of our pastors and ask for prayer. Or you can come and kneel at this altar and talk to God about anything you want to. This next song we're going to sing says, Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Now, when we say heart, we get into romantic things and teenage love and we talk about our hearts being broken or our hearts being heavy. But when we say, here's my heart, we say, God, here's my passion. Here's my desire. Here's my resources. Here's my time. God, I'm giving things over to you because I need to know the truth. I need you to speak what is true. Let me explain to you real quickly this morning why it's so important that we hear the truth from God. Because there's too many lies. We lie to ourselves and call it the truth. We lie about ourselves and call it the truth. Others lie to us and call it the truth. Politicians lie to us and call it the truth. The enemy lies to us and calls it the truth. Churches sometimes lie to us and call it the truth. But God's truth, it'll heal everything. There's so many lives you could be believing today, but God has a truth to respond to that lie. Listen to this. There's a guy named John the Baptist. And he was sent by God to prepare the way, to prepare the way for Jesus. By the way, that's your job, to prepare the way for Jesus in the lives of those that you're going to come in contact with. 
I mean, this guy, I mean, the very reason he was born was to prepare the way for Jesus. And he was locked in prison. And he goes, I, <laughs> death's coming. And I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm in prison because I believed in this Jesus so much that I wouldn't quit preaching about him. And he said, I just got to double check. I got to know. Because the enemy is lying to me right now. The enemy began to creep in, lie. That's what happened. You're tired, you're beat up, you're defeated, you're facing death or hardship, and there will be lies that you begin to believe. And so he sent disciples, just followers, other people, Adam, not just Jesus. John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, John's in a hard spot right now. And he, he needs to know for sure, are you the one? And Jesus said this. He said, go tell John. Report to John. He didn't tell him to make anything up. He said, report what you've heard and what you've seen. Church today, you've heard and you've seen the work of Jesus Christ. And it's your job to report it, just like Pastor Jacob talked about last week. He said, you go tell them that the blind can see. You go tell them that the dumb can speak. You go tell them that those who are sick have been healed. You tell them that the deaf can hear and that the dead live again. He said, you tell them that the gospel is being preached to the poor. The poor were unworthy of the gospel. Do you get that? There's people here today that think they're unworthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You couldn't be more wrong. You might think you're a loser today, but Jesus brought you victory and he wants you to have it today. A lie today, the enemy would tell you, is that you've quit before and that you're not going to be able to stop, that you've tried time and time again, but Jesus is going to help you break the chains of sin. The victory's already won. You can claim it this morning. Father, we pray this morning that healing would take place. God, that the lonely person could find help here today. That they could know that they don't have to do this on, the, on their own. That they could know that the Cap City Church is a family here for them. That they could come into community with. That though the world may be against them, you are for them. And if you be for us, who can stand against us, Lord? We know that through your love, we are more than conquerors. And nothing can stand against you. Lord, here's our heart. God, we need you to speak truth today. There's so much noise, so many distractions, so many lies. God, would you especially, God, would you especially speak truths to the lies that we allow ourselves to believe in and of ourselves? Because we know that you have great plans for us, Lord. Help us to be obedient in this time of prayer and worship. In Jesus' name, amen. my 
And welcome to Capital City Church. We are so glad you're joining us today. Please share your updates, praises, and prayer requests on the connection card and drop it in the offering when it comes around later this morning. First time visitors, please let us get to know you through the connection card. And at the end of service, you can take it to the visitor welcome desk in the lobby to receive a small gift. This Saturday, October 29th, we will have our annual Fall Fest from 3.30 to 7.30 p.m. There will be trunk or treat, food trucks, games, and more for the whole family. If you're interested in helping or volunteering, see Tiffany Gibson or Nan Davis at the info desk in the back of the sanctuary. Please join Cap City Church and the West Central District in the Prayer Summit for missions this coming Thursday, October 27th from 7 to 8 p.m online. Register online at the info desk or see the QR code in the post service slides in the sanctuary today. Hey Cap City, do you have spare change just laying around? What about dollar bills? Fives, tens, twenties, maybe hundreds? Well gather it up, bring it next Sunday, October 30th, as the kids department will be collecting it for missions. What better way to support our kids as they continue to grow and learn about what it's like to be a missionary. Donations will be collected throughout the year. There will be buckets for girls and buckets for boys at all four of the exits as you leave the sanctuary. Thank you. We cannot wait to see how much they collect for missions. I mean, it's not like it's going to be a competition or anything. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. Please welcome Pastor Jonathan with today's message. Scott and Tara do a great job, um, if you're not sure. Today's, today's Pastor Appreciation Day. And you know, before when I was a solo pastor, you always felt kind of self-serving, but we've got so many great pastors in this church. I'm, I'm thankful. I can't believe the pastoral staff, staff that I've walked into, that I've inherited. Um, and even pe people like Scott and Tara, they don't necessarily carry the title of pastor, but um, they're our children's director and do so much more around the church. Um, and so we're thankful for them. Love that they do that video for us every week and keep us updated. Um, and it's also a great way, so when you tell me you didn't know about something, I can just say you missed the video. So uh, we try to put it all up there and try to give you different ways to know what's going on. Um, we're, going, we're going to be in, in uh, John chapter 12 this morning. If you want to find your way to a text, um, and, and the title of the text this morning, or the sermon is, Worship is Never Wasted. But before we get to the text today, I want to talk to you a minute about um, expiration dates. Expiration dates. Um, I kind of want to know how serious some of you take them, and I am going to pull you, and you are going to raise your hands or be a stick in the mud, um, whatever you need to do this morning. Um, but it's just something to kind of get us started, a little bit of an icebreaker. I, I want to know, and I'm not talking about your dignified self. I'm talking about that you're really hungry, there's only a couple things in the kitchen, you have to make a decision, right? Um, 
Let's talk about milk first, okay? Um, we're going to get, I, and now we're going to be reasonable. I'm not too, we're just going to assume that none of you are animals in two weeks is like, that's gone. Like, but we're going to, we'll say like two days expired or unexpired. So if you say it's, it, it can't be expired at all on milk, raise your hand. Okay. What about two days is okay. Okay. I won't tell you how many days I've went before, but uh, that, now how about this? How about a bag of chips? Same rule. Bag of chips. It's late night. It's midnight. There's nothing in the house. You, you're something salty, something a little crunchy. It, it, it can't be expired. It can't, who would say it can't be expired at all? Chips. That's what I'm talking about. We know, like, w- let's be real about who we are. It's going to be a little stale. It might not be as, I mean, there might be some dip in the fridge to help with that. That's usually the case. Um, but I have a story this week about expiration dates, Okay. Um, so I do not snore, and you go, Jonathan, you don't know that because you're asleep. Let's ask Allison. So we'll ask Allison, and Allison would say, I don't snore, but this last weekend, I guess I was really sawing some logs. And so I, I feel bad about that. I want my wife to be able to sleep because, husbands, if your wife doesn't sleep, you don't have a good next day either, right? And vice versa. You need them to get a good night's sleep just like you need to get a good night's sleep yourself. And so I did what any you know, I, I, I'm trying to be responsible husband, so I go dig. You guys, anybody have that basket? The house has medical stuff in it, some Band-Aids, and kind of, it's, it's never organized, not in my house. Maybe you're better than me. Um, breathe right strips. Everybody knows what a breathe right strip is, right? Yeah, so apparently you put these on, you just quit snoring, right? Like they're just a modern-day miracle. So I have used them before, and they have, they've worked okay. So I find the breathe right strips, and I start peeling them open and kind of rip them open like this, and you know, I'm going through them, and, and they, won't, they won't stick to anything. Like, I'm trying to get a stick on my nose, and it won't stick. And I tried two or three. I'm really trying to help Allison out here. And then the, this coupon falls out of the box. And I look at the coupon, and the coupon that was in the box expired in 2012. <laughs> now, I assure you, I did not buy a 10-year-old box of Breathe Right strips Allison and I were married in 2009. Usually, if you've bought stuff like this before, they usually give you a couple years to use a a coupon on something like this. I really and truly believe that Allison and I have carried these Breathe Right strips with us throughout our marriage. They might even predate our marriage. Maybe I bought them because we got married and nobody else ever used to care that I snored because I slept by myself, right? I don't know. But as I thought about the sermon this week and how we talked about wasting things, I... You have to know that I am not a hoarder. That's not, I mean, some of us say, well, I'm not a hoarder either. I just keep in stuff in case we need it one day. That's hoarding. <laughs> I, well, I, I, remember, I remember when I bought my first house, it had a garage, and I said, I'm going to park my car in the garage. Isn't that a novel thought that you would park a car in a garage instead of just fill it with stuff and then park the car outside? I know none of you do that. <laughs> haven't been to your houses, haven't seen it. We'll just assume you don't. But we keep stuff in that garage, and we might say, I, I might need that one day. Um, and, and I'm not going to preach the sermon today before I preach the sermon, but Friday I was cleaning out my garage. Now, we just moved to our house a few months ago when we came down to pastor here, and um, the, the garage was a staging area for a while. And I'm okay parking my car outside in the summer, but winter's coming, so I've got to finish getting the garage cleaned out and organized so I can park my cars out there. And I'll tell you what. Like, I had set out to do this. I was going to spend a few hours doing it. And after a few minutes, the clutter just exhausted me. 
And, and if, you, if you didn't notice, Jacob helped a bunch of people here. Pastor Jacob uh, helped lead a cleanup day the other day, uh, yesterday, and the dumpster out here is full. And we rented a dumpster out back by the barn, and it's full. And I didn't check with Jacob, but I'll bet there's still some stuff that we could throw away. And God brought this thought to me. I wonder what in your life you are holding on to that's getting in the way of fully worshiping me. What's in my just-in-case pile? Or I might need that one day. Church, hear me this morning as we're going to begin a conversation on worship. The more you let go of, the more you release, the more you declutter your life, the more that the Holy Spirit of God has room to invade your space. Let's read the text, and then we'll, we'll set the scene a little bit. It's John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they, that's uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, that's who lived there. They made him a dinner there, and Martha was serving. And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very expensive perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, the treasurer of the group, one of his disciples, the one who intended to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the proceeds given to people that are poor? Now he said this not because he cared about poor people, but because he was a thief as he kept the money box. He used to steal from what was put into it. Therefore Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. So let's set the scene here a little bit this morning. In this passage, we're told it's six days before Passover, before Jesus would eat the Last Supper with the disciples. It's the week before Jesus would go to the cross. At the very least from this passage, we know that Lazarus was there, who Jesus had just raised from the dead. We know that Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, were both there, and most likely many, if not all, of the disciples. If you remember, just prior to this in Scripture, we saw Mary and Martha, and how Martha was stuck on working while Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And even though Jesus had taught that Mary was choosing the better idea of worship over work, here we are a few weeks later, Martha's still working while Mary is again the center of the lesson that Jesus will teach them. We see the same story related to us in Matthew chapter 26 as well. And when Mary pours the perfume on Jesus' feet in that passage, the words that are used by Judas are, why the waste? Why the waste? And that's where we're going to jump in today. Worship is never wasted. Worship is never wasted. But opportunities to worship are often missed. For us to truly understand what was happening here, we need to talk about the value of the sacrifice that is being made. The text tells us that the value of the perfume was 300 denarii. Now, there are different thoughts on what a denarii would be valued at in all the monetary systems in Scripture, but what seems most plausible to us is that a denarii would have been a day's wage. 
So 300 work days in a year would be a good six-day work week. So in other words, we're talking about a sacrifice that would equal to a year's salary. Just go ahead and insert what you make in a year's salary. Maybe 50, 60, 70, $100,000. Perhaps it was a family heirloom. In that time and culture, owning a commodity would have been far more valuable than owning currency. If you're not aware, that's actually how it is today. But there's a good chance that this expensive commodity belonged to the house. So Mary's decision not only affected her, but Martha and Lazarus as well. Regardless of the exact purpose, it's pretty safe to say it was what was on reserve in the household. No more backup plan, no more emergency fund. Mary and her household were laying their full dependency literally at the feet of Jesus. But why so much? Wouldn't a tithe have been enough? Wouldn't 10% have been enough? Certainly Judas, the treasurer, would have been okay with them making a donation of 10% to the disciples of Jesus Christ fund. Would that be okay? Interestingly enough, Judas's comment about how what Mary was doing was wasteful showed that he had little or no understanding or concern for what it means to worship God. Now listen, this morning, this isn't a message on giving, unless that's what the Holy Spirit needs you to hear. But when we give, we don't give to help the church pay for something. I mean, your offerings are what run this church, for sure. There's no extra money coming from any society or any organization. But the giving doesn't have to do with the dollar amount. It has to do with the sacrifice. It has to do with the obedience. It has to do with the belief that I want God to own everything in my life so that he has full control. In the book of 2 Samuel, in the Old Testament, King David goes out to buy a piece of land to make a sacrifice to God. And he would need the land to do it, the animal, the wood to start the fire. And when he comes to the land, the man who owns it says, My king, I will give you everything that you need for this offering to the Lord. But the king responds, God bless you. But I must pay you for everything because I will not make an offering to the Lord that does not cost me something. Let me just put this in practical terms for you. Men you're going to go buy your wife flowers. And if you haven't bought your wife flowers in a while, you need to buy your wife flowers. Now, in my household, Allison is concerned with how the flowers look. She has a certain kind she likes. I mean, I, I buy her different kinds I like. She's not a big fan of other types. And so we're not hung up on what they cost or, or anything like that. But just tell me, I, whether you're, it's, well, well, if you're married or if you're dating somebody, you've bought flowers and, and, and you've been there, you've been in the store, and you saw the flower your wife liked. And it was like, you know, they were $30. But then there was this sticker on there that said they were on sale for $15. He said, there's a flower. She's like, but I could save a few bucks. So you peel that label off because you, you don't want her to know what it costs, right? Like, right, I, I mean, honestly, it's not, I, I'm just guessing it's something you do. I would never do anything like that. I'm married to an incredible woman. She would probably look at me and go, I'm glad you got them on sale and that we saved some money. And hopefully that's your wife too. But for her, does it really matter what it costs? How about God? Hey, anyhow, 
It, it could certainly be argued that the level of our worship is proportionate to that which it truly costs us. And you know what it means to give something to God that costs you. This is a message about overcoming our inhibitions, our discomfort, and our unwillingness to pour out our praise in front of Jesus, whatever that looks like. If you can throw up your hands and fall on your face before Jesus with no issues, maybe your concern is turning over your finances or your trust to him. But if you give faithfully and generously, is your heart, your body, your posture in worship surrendered to him? Some struggle more to release their emotions, their posture, and their brokenness more than they do their finances or resources. Mary said, let's watch Mary today, the one that Jesus talked about time and time again as doing the best thing. Mary said, Jesus, here's my money. That's what that was. It wasn't perfume. It was money. Here's my money. That represents she trusted Jesus. Here's my body. That represented her flesh. Here's my tears that represented her emotions. Here's what people might even think of me or how they might judge me. That represents our reputation in front of others. I just want Jesus. That's what she was saying that day. Worship is never, ever, ever wasted. But let's talk for a minute about how opportunities to worship are missed. Opportunities to worship are often missed. I don't go to the altar and pour out my praise to him because people might think there's something wrong in my life, says the enemy to you when you feel like you need to go pray, right? You don't worry about anybody. <laughs> you ever hear anybody say, hey, only God can judge me? That's right, only God can judge you, so don't worry about anybody else. I don't raise my hands in worship because I don't want to be thought of or seen by others. Worship is supposed to be private. That's cute that you think that. Let's just double check the text today. At any point, did Jesus get down and look at Mary and say, Mary, this was great. You gave me $50,000. Let me help some of you. That I, and I'm, I don't want to call you old timers because I grew up to, under the same kind of preaching that y'all did. Listen, there's some misconceptions that have been out there by people there are people that want to talk about not letting the left hand see what the right hand does, and there's a context for that. But there's also a lot of people that like to quote Scripture to keep themselves from ju to justify themselves for what they're actually willing to do. Let, make no mistake about it. This would be the equivalent of someone in this church during a response time coming up here and with, what's that, 50,000 times? That's 500 $100 bills laying them on the altar, weeping and crying, saying, my everything is here. That's what this was. Jesus doesn't say, now, Mary, you could have given me this on the way out when nobody would have seen. He didn't, he didn't say, you know, you really shouldn't be crying. We're trying to eat dinner. And by the way, in that time, it was totally off. Like the fact that she was a woman made this all kinds of evil. Not today, church, right? But back then, that's how women were viewed. How did Jesus respond? Let's talk about how he responded in this setting. In this setting, Martha gets condemned for valuing her work too much, right? For some reason, we don't mind telling people about the work that we do, but we can't talk about the real praise that God wants us to put before him. 
Judas is condemned for being concerned about how other people worship. Think long and hard before you judge the way someone else worships. But Mary is praised by Jesus. Can you imagine being praised by Jesus? Francis Chan has this to say about our worship. He said, our lack of worship may actually be the biggest cause of our division. When we don't worship as we should, all hope for unity is lost. It's hard to start an argument with someone who is on her knees shouting praises to Jesus. Look, Allison and I have been to other churches. We've pastored other churches. I've helped consult with different churches. And as we went from church to church to church, the people that were fighting the most were worshiping the least. The people that were fighting the most were the ones worshiping the least because there's something about coming together in a spirit of worship that there's unity. The Holy Spirit is present. It says he inhabits the praises of his people. So if we want him to be with us, we lift up our praise together. We don't focus on our divisions or the things that don't bring us together, but what is it that unifies us? And that's bringing glory to God. Chan goes on to say, as Christians, we're the most divided faith group on earth, and there isn't a close second. If you think I'm exaggerating, name one other religion with two or three more factions. Do you know how many different denominations there are in the Catholic Church? Zero. There's one Catholic Church. But as Christians, we have thousands of denominations believing that our theology is superior. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a denomination as long as you're working hard to work with all the other ones that exist. Those divisions are, listen listen to how Chan wraps up this quote. Those divisions are the opposite of what Jesus died for. Right before he went to the cross, he said, God, let this cross. He said, Father, let this cross be a unifying factor. He says, unify them. The devil wants to divide them. The world wants to divide them, but make them one as we are one. And then he went to the cross to seal the deal. That's the end of the quote. But perhaps my favorite thing that ever happens is when a church or denomination merges with another one because it symbolizes that two or more groups of people saw unity in Christ as the most important idea to be valued. Hashtag best is yet to come at Cap City. Yeah? While there's some truth to the idea that the oil's cost could have been used in other ways, those opportunities will come. The chance to honor Christ as Mary did was something that would never come again. She wasn't there for his burial. And and, and so the, the question then this morning I would ask is, how many more opportunities do you want to pass to worship Christ as you should? How many more opportunities? I'm looking to find as many ways as I can. In Mary's case, it was the last time she would be with Jesus before his life was taken. How many more opportunities will you have to worship him before your life comes to an end? Don't miss any opportunity to worship him as you should. So as we, let's kind of ask the question then, how does God see your worship? How does God see your worship? Have you ever thought about that? Is it honoring to God? I'm not talking about your song selection or uh, how you sing or how loud you sing or when you raise your... How does God see your worship? I'm going to give you a quiz today, and it's multiple choice, and you have to participate, but not out loud. Just internally. Pick an answer. In a gathering of worship, that's us right now, in a gathering of our worship, whom from our story do you most relate to? And how does God see you? 
The four contestants in our story today were Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus, or Judas, excuse me. There is a right, there is a right answer, by the way. Jesus gave it to us. So many times we want to argue against the Bible, like, well, I think Jesus could have meant, you think Jesus could have meant that Martha was doing something right? I don't get that, folks. The four characters in the house where the Lord was were Martha, Judas, Lazarus, and Mary. Let's start with Martha. She was serving and working to prove her worth. Martha seemed to struggle with misdirected worship. Worship for us instead of him. Do you know sometimes you work for God to worship yourself? Martha said, if I work, if I'm on the board, if I sing, if I teach, if I preach, if I give, if I fix things... She overcomplicated her worship and her Christianity. And I'm afraid that based on what we see in Scripture, Martha may not have ever got it. We don't see that she does. Never at his feet, never, never even reclining at the table with him. Perhaps the truest essence of a Martha mentality is that we are often more pleased with our form of worship than God is. Did you catch that? We are often more pleased with our form of worship than God is. How about Judas? I mean, I'm, everybody just thinks, like, that's me, that's Judas. I want to be a Judas, right? I, I, I liked when we were naming our boys and going through different names, and we rotated them and tried to, you know, figure out which one would go with which, and the name Jude came up. I like the name Jude. People go, oh, you can't name him Jude. People call him Judas. I'm like, why would they call him Judas? Like, it's too close. So I was like, we won't even get close to Judas. Man, I'm sorry if you're in here and your name is Judas. I'm not trying to beat up on you today. I'm sure we all just said, Pastor, pick me. I'm a Judas. Now listen, none of us are ever quick to admit that. Nobody wants to admit they're the bad guy in the story. But if you recognize it with a desire to change, there's a great that's a great realization that you can come to today. Judas is a critic. Judas has selfish motives. He's worried. He's jealous. He's upset about anyone's worship that takes away from his agenda. Have you ever been critical of worship? Have you ever been thinking about what you thought would be best or how you would like to worship? Have you ever been worried about the, you're worried about the worship in the church that maybe they just weren't doing it right? Were you jealous of the worship? Maybe somebody else was on stage you didn't get to be. He's upset about anyone's worship that takes away from his agenda. And what's so potentially dysfunctional about our worship is that not only do we not worship God the way that we should, but we might sit quietly or perhaps not so quietly judging those who do. When we don't worship like we should, we don't like others to worship well. Get this this morning. I, again, this isn't you, right? This is the church down the street. They need, they need to just come merge with us and then they'll know the right way to do it, obviously. When we don't worship the way that we should, when our hearts aren't full of gratitude and praise and ready to pour out on him, we don't want others to worship well either because it makes us look bad. It, looks, it makes us look like a non-participant. We'll even go to a church where they don't worship as much so we don't stick out too much. Maybe you aren't fully a Judas, but if there's any traits of Judas you see in your own spirit, some authentic confession and worship wouldn't hurt. How about this Lazarus guy? How about eating with the guy that was resurrected from the dead? Some say that they were having dinner to celebrate his resurrection. There's kind of a twofold thing, right? Jesus is going to resurrect 
Lazarus resurrected. I, I'm not sure what kind of food you, like I've had some good food at a funeral when somebody died, but what kind of food do you serve at a, at a resurrection dinner? We're going to taste it one day, aren't we? Woo, wouldn't that be good? Yeah, we're going to taste it one day. He said, come and dine. We're going to sit at the table with the master and have that resurrection dinner one day. But man, I, I can't imagine what kind of food they serve at a resurrection dinner, but I'll bet it's good. I would, have, I would have tried it for sure. He is in the presence and the company of the Lord, Lazarus is. We said earlier, Mary's decision to spend the oil in worship affected Lazarus. It affected the household. The very fact that he didn't oppose spoke volumes. Think about this today. Lazarus has been given new life in Christ. Do you think, do you think Lazarus was worried about money? I've I got to ask you a question this morning. When you got saved, did you quit worrying about money? No. You didn't. You worried about it more. Jiminy Christmas, I think church people worry about money more than people outside the church. I talk to y'all. Y'all talk to me. You'll probably quit talking to me now. Man, you're, you're dealing with the guy that owns a, I can say a guy, we're dealing with the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We're dealing with the guy that resurrects the dead. Worried about whether Dave Ramsey lined us up for success. <laughs> Lazarus wasn't tolerant of Mary, but he was consenting and in full agreement. He was the man of the house. He could have told her what to do. They probably worked on it together. He's saying, I've been to the other side. He knew every knee would bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Would you take that as a challenge this morning? When was the last time you came and bowed a knee to say to Jesus, you are Lord? I'm serious, church. If you can't find anything else to pray about this morning, when we sing that response song, what if you just said, Jesus is Lord? I, I promise you that 99% of your problems is that you have a small or misappropriated view of God. If you would see God for who he is, all your problems would be done. And if you don't know who he is and say, how do I figure that out? Just, I know it's simple, but it's just going to keep being the answer. Just, just get into his word and just absorb it and pray and talk to him. And as you have an elevated view of God, everything else will change. I know I said there's four characters in the room, but here's a bonus. You said you didn't do Mary yet. I'll get to her, but I have a bonus one for you. How about the rest of the room? Now, based on what I could tell, Jews threw big parties. They didn't have dinner for 10 people. They probably had 50, 60, 70 people there. How about the rest of the room? Do you know who else was there? The passage doesn't tell us. And do you know why I believe that that is? Because they weren't contributing anything. I certainly don't want to not even make the story today. What if Jesus was in this room and I wasn't even noted as a contributor? Now, I'm not talking, I don't, I don't need you to put my name on the wall because I gave money. I don't need you to name a wing after me. I don't need you to tell the church how much I gave in tithes and offerings or how many songs I sang. I'm saying when I get to heaven one day, I want to know that when I was in the presence of the Lord that I contributed to the kingdom of God. What an opportunity to worship that they all missed. I mean, can you imagine that day? If they all would have fallen with Mary. What an environment that would have been. A room full of people worshiping Jesus on his way to the cross. I'm going to invite the team to come back up. And the, the, story, is, the story is about Mary not missing the moment to worship the Lord. So don't miss this this morning, church. We should all strive to be like Mary. Some people love to argue, well, you know, I'm more of a Martha or Lazarus or whatever. Like, I don't care what you want to be. I'm just telling you what Jesus said was best. Is that okay? 
Like, he said, Mary chose the better thing. So I'm going, well, I want to be like Mary then. I, maybe it's, I'm just reading the Bible too simplistically, but everyone should strive to be like Mary. It's who Jesus approved of. Isn't that right? Yeah. Mary, our fourth character in the story, she's at the feet of Jesus. Too many times and too many people in the church are limiting the way they worship for reasons that I promise you that God is not going to hear. You don't have to convince me of anything. I'm not worried about it. I don't don't judge y'all. I get excited. I turn around and watch you worship sometimes just because it's a beautiful thing. And I don't turn around and go, why are they being a stick in the mud? Forget. I don't have time for that. We're in the presence of the Lord. We talked earlier about the fact that only God could judge us. Let me just tell you where his standards are for worship. God accepted praise from a naked man dancing in the Old Testament. Former prostitutes laying on top of his feet. And people crying out to God on their knees with their hands lifted high. He knows. He knows this morning. You know this morning whether you would be at his feet. Now listen. There's some bad theology out there that runs around that we say, where we say stuff like, well, if Jesus were really here. Hey, if you don't think Jesus is really here, then you need to go somewhere else. I'm serious. If you don't think you're going to find him worshiping here, if you don't think you're going to find him kneeling at the altar, Jesus is here. If you think you're going to worship him in heaven a different way than you worship him here, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. And if you're going to continue to excuse yourself because Jesus isn't physically at the room, we, wouldn't have, we would have disregarded him just like all the other Pharisees did. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand this morning. And it says, it's been said that we can only be filled with the Spirit of God in proportion to that of which we have emptied ourselves. So which part of you remains today that is prohibiting the Spirit of God from having full control over every area of your life? Would you empty the security fund? Would you put your so-called reputation on the line? Would you release your concern about how others see you? Would you break in the room despite your friends, despite your family, despite the fact that everyone else in the room might talk about the fact that you raised your hands in worship for the first time in five years? (laughs) And simply say, I don't care. I just want to be at the feet of Jesus. We're going to sing the song we sang earlier. Here's my heart. And during our prayer time earlier, we sang, speak what is true. Then we go on to sing those truths. I don't know if any of you caught the truths in this song, so I'm going to read them slowly so we catch them. The writer of this song said, here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true, over and over again. And then he recites truths about us and about God. He says, I am found. You're not lost. You can be found in Jesus. I am yours. You don't belong to anyone else. I am loved. Any version you see of Jesus that's not love, wrong, counterfeit version of Jesus. I am made pure. I have life. I can breathe. I am healed. I am free in Jesus' name. Now, what's the song say about Jesus? How about this? I really did. I wish I would have looked it up, and I didn't. I, I bet the story behind this song is awesome. I'll bet the author just said, speak what is true, and then he wrote just down what God said to him, because those things are all true about you. Listen to what he says about God. He says, you are strong, 
you are sure, you are life, you endure, you are good, always true. You are more than enough. You are here, you are love, you are hope, you are grace, you are all I have, you're everything, you are life breaking through. Mary found all of this when she wept at the feet of the Savior. Will you come and kneel today and confess him as Lord? Would you stand with hands lifted high? Would you confess the places that you have judged others in worship? Would you empty yourself of yourself so that you can be filled completely with the Holy Spirit? Quite simply, would you withhold nothing from him so that he will withhold nothing from you? I believe that promise, and it's one that I've seen answered time and time again. If you withhold nothing from God, he will withhold nothing from you. Father, we pray that we've honored your word this morning. Lord, that any of our pre-existing conceptions or misconceptions about worship would fall this morning. Lord, that we would freely move in worship, whether that's kneeling before you or lifting our hands. God, if it meant that our reputation might look different in front of other people, if it means turning over resources to you. Lord, you tell us in, our, in your word and revelation that you are worthy. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Lord, would you help us to worship Jesus in our homes, in our hearts. God, in this moment, in our churches, in our workplaces, Lord, help us to worship you because we need the promise of your presence to go with us everywhere that we go. Lord, whatever truth people need to receive this morning, we pray that you'll break down the lies in their life so that they can receive you fully. In Jesus' name, amen.
right, well, good morning. We're going to transition the service a little bit, but I want to say something about what Pastor Jonathan said. As a pastor myself, oftentimes I find myself doing work around the church, and maybe if you're a volunteer in the church, you find yourself doing work around the church. And sometimes you walk through the sanctuary to get where you're going, or you're working in the kitchen, or you're working in the kids' ministry, and you're passing through. Oftentimes I've been a pastor, and sometimes when I'm passing through, I feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit, and he says, you know, why don't you just bow down and pray for a minute? You know, anytime you're in the church, the sanctuary doors are always unlocked, and the altars are always open. And there have been times when I've been passing through that the Holy Spirit goes, why don't you just bow and pray for a moment? And I say, no, Lord, I'm too busy. I got to get the next thing done. I got to get this finished up. And he said, yeah, but you need to pray. There have been times, as Pastor Jonathan said, there are times where I've seized the opportunities, and there are other times where I've pushed the opportunity away. But I'm, I'm like Pastor Jonathan. I want to be a Mary. I want to be found at the feet of Jesus in, in complete surrender. And so uh, I thank Jonathan for that message today. It's challenging. It's a good reminder. And so if we can give Pastor Jonathan a hand, uh, we appreciate him. Uh, I am Pastor Jacob. If you are new here, uh, I came over from another church because we thought this church was so awesome. And so I uh, just got a few brief announcements before we dismiss the online crowd. Uh, our Fall Fest is this week, uh, Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Um, it's Saturday at 3.30. We're going to have trunk or treat. We're going to have food trucks. Um, there's a there's a pita like where they have euros. It's the best euros around in my opinion. Come out, try that out. We got a barbecue food truck. We're gonna have a bonfire. We're gonna have games. There's a ton of fun stuff to do. It's gonna be for the whole family. It starts at 3:30. So I would encourage you to come out. Tiffany Gibson, and a lot of you may not know her because she came over from Hope with us, uh, but. She's going to be back at the desk. Uh, there's some sign-up sheets if you want to participate in Trunk or Treat, but get to know her. And hey, if you got a name tag on, meet three new people, all right? You don't even have to have that awkward conversation that you don't remember their name. It's right there, all right? But meet three new people, all right? And so if you're watching online, we want to invite you to Fall Fest. It is Saturday, October 29th at 3.30 p.m. Uh, but we're going to dismiss you for now, and so if you're online, we'll catch you later. We'd love to see you here in person, 1030 Sunday mornings. Uh, we're going to transition the service for a brief moment, and I'm going to ask Pat Moore to come up. Uh, Pat Moore, there she is, uh, and she's got a brief...